All right, good morning again. I trust you had a great Thanksgiving. <clears throat> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm asking you to just stand right back up as we read our text for today. As we'll pray, we'll read our text, we'll see what God says to us. Father, we sang a prayer that you would speak to us, that you would plant your truth deep in us, that you would teach us, Lord, full obedience and true humility, that your glory would be built into your church, Lord God. We claim this, Lord, because you've promised these things, and so we claim them now, asking that you would do exactly what you said you would do, trusting that you will. Speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is what God says to us today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence. For Christ. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we've been studying chapter 5 for quite some time now, we serve first of all, our, our outline was to be imitators of God, verses 1 to 2. And that meant to give ourselves in love as God in Christ gave himself for us. We saw about being uh, uh, also to be an imitator to God means that sexual morality and purity and anything like that would not be named among us. We saw that we're not to be partakers with the things of the world, which is sexual morality and all of those things. That we're to walk as children of the light and we're to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. And we'd expose first sometimes by calling out or by not participating within those activities. 
and we call out in such a way as to bring someone to repentance. That's why it says, Awake, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. We were told how to walk in a way that is wise and not as unwise, making the best use of the time. Today we'll finish up chapter 5 with, Therefore do not be foolish. Therefore do not be foolish. He says, therefore, do not be foolish because of all that was written beforehand. And so God says this to us today. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. The word foolish is aphron. It means pertaining to not employing one's understanding, particularly in practical matters. Foolish, senseless, unwise. One of the ways in which we are not to be a partaker with darkness as Paul says earlier, is that we walk in a way that is wise, making the best use of our time. One of the ways to be foolish is to not walk in a way that is wise and not make the best use of our time. A characteristic of someone who is foolish is a person who does not seek to understand the will of the Lord. Remember what Paul said just earlier in verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. The word discern is doikimazo. It means to test or to examine what God would want for us. Paul told the church that the way to not be foolish but wise is not to just discern what the will of the Lord is, but to understand what the will of the Lord is. Is if one undertakes to seek, if one undertakes to seek to understand the will of the Lord, they will therefore make the best use of time. It says this in verse 17: therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The word understand is the word synony. It means the comprehending activity of the mind, denoted by tsunami, entails the assembling of individual facts into an organized whole as collecting the pieces of a puzzle and putting them together. The mind grasps concepts and sees the proper relationship between them. Such understanding includes the moral and religious awareness of man's heart. That's Zohadis in his... Uh, Greek uh, uh, breakdown. The scriptures remind us over and over again that our minds are not to be disengaged in the process of discerning God's will and growing in sanctification. It is the renewed mind that can discern the will of God. Romans 12 clearly tells us this. Remember what it says. This should be a verse that we have memorized at Bible Baptist. There's like hardly a sermon that goes by without this coming up, and that's a good thing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This was part of our Memory passage in Colossians 3, that our minds are to be renewed in the knowledge of our Creator, Colossians 3.10, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. 
Do you have a new mind today? Are you sitting there wondering about that? Are you in Christ Jesus? If you know that you are in Christ Jesus, you have a renewed mind. Scripture tells us that. The moment that you have true profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your mind was renewed, the Scripture tells us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Your mind was renewed, and you therefore have the capacity to discern and understand what the will of the Lord is. In theological terms, and here's a word you can take to the bank today. You've heard me use it before. It's called perspicuity. Perspicuity, according to Webster, is this. Plain to understand, especially because of clarity and precision of presentation. Right? God's word is clear and precise when it is spoken into the heart of a person through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews 4.12 and 13. For the Word of God is living, that's the Bible, it's living and active, right? It's an unchanging, by the way. So when you say living and active, it doesn't mean that it's subject to change, Right? People say that about our Constitution of the United States. It's a living document, therefore it's up for interpretation or to be changed. Well, that's not what about the Scripture. It is an unchanging document. It's truths that are eternal and unchanging. What is written here will be preached in heaven also, right? It's never going to change. So when we say that the Word of God is living, it's living, it is life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Scriptures. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. There's a saying that a dull blade is a dangerous blade, which is actually true. How many of us know that our knives in our drawers are dull? Right? You know what? If, you have, if you're used to using a dull knife and you suddenly are given a sharp knife, it actually becomes dangerous to you because you're using it in a way you're using too much force or whatever. It's the same with the Word of God. If you are not practicing the Word of God, if you're not immersing yourselves in the Word of God, and then when you do, get ready because God's going to start cutting things out. God's going to work on you. He's going to craft you and shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joint, and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's the precision of God's Word. It discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The Word of God exposes us. The Word of God exposes our deeds of darkness, and just as we are too, the Word of God also what? 
calls us to repentance. It exposes us and calls us into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You and I, as believers in Christ, have a renewed mind. What we do with that is up to us. If we fail to use our renewed mind, just like if you fail to use your muscles, they atrophy. They become less and less useful. We can waste our mind. Our mind is renewed. Here's a free one for you. The mind is renewed in the pursuit of the understanding and obeying of God's Word. And when we do that, when we as God's children seek to renew our minds, to keep it renewed in the understanding and obeying of God's Word, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. This is not something we have to do on our own. It is something the Holy Spirit, who is God in every way that God and Jesus are, He guides us into all truth. And so when we're told to understand what the will of the Lord is, have you ever wondered what God's will is for you? How many of you ever asked the question, what's God's will for me? Anybody? Let's see, let's see a show of hands. How many people are honest enough to say, I care about what God wants me to do? All right, well, pretty sad, pretty sad to be honest. You should ask God what He wants for you. But you know what? God loves us so much that in His Word, He's told us, this is my will for you in two areas. In two areas, you can say, I know what God wants for me. Unquestionable, nothing to talk about. I just have to do what God says because this is God's will for me. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8. For this is the will of God. Right, in case we were wondering, we're about to be told, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Period. But then he goes on to describe what sanctification looks like in this world. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. What a solemn Warning, that is. I want to know what God's will is for my life. Abstain from sexual immorality. Be sanctified. How often we have seen in the Scriptures that be sexually immoral is to be outside the will of God. And if you disregard it, you disregard not man, but the Holy Spirit who God has given you. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we, all, if we continue to disregard, ultimately what we do is we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
Not only is sanctification God's explicit will for your life if you're in Christ Jesus, but also thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, to give thanks in all circumstances. How many of you receive mailings from chosen people? Mitch Glazer, right? Did you get their latest? What's right on the cover? Give thanks in all circumstances. Right? They're in Israel suffering. They say give thanks in all circumstances. And they are, just as an aside, they are really using this as an opportunity. They use every opportunity for the gospel. They've had several baptisms. People convert to faith in Christ over what has happened in Israel. I thank God for the ministry of chosen people. Thanksgiving is to be a hallmark of the believer's life. How often do you give thanks? To be a thankful person. It is to be a hallmark of a believer's life, not unwholesome talk of which the world is all about. Remember, we were already told that in Ephesians 5.4. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. And you say, that's great, Pastor. I know what God's will for my life is. I already knew that. I'm to be sanctified and I'm to be thankful. But what about the rest of my life? What about... Everything else in my life. Well, we need to understand that when we speak of God's will, we speak about God's will in two aspects. His general will and His particular will. General and particular. What's God's general will? It's what's universal for all believers. God's general will is all the commands of Scripture. And all the commands of Scripture can come under one word, sanctification, right? God's general will, universal for believers, are everything He tells us to do or to not do. What about His particular will? What is God's particular will for you? That's what is for you in particular. Particular, what pertains particularly to your life, job, marriage, where you will live, Etc. How do I know what God's will for my life is? I'm told in Scripture to understand the will of the Lord. Must remember this, loved ones. If you're struggling to find God's will for your particular will for your life, don't forget the fact that God is sovereign over your particular will. He's sovereign even over that. Remember what Paul said on Mars Hill. He says, God has appointed times and places and boundaries of which people will live. That's a particular will. People choose, right? But if you humbly seek to understand, well, let me back up. God is sovereign over his particular will for your life. You cannot, you cannot fail to find God's particular will for your life. You heard what I said. You cannot fail to find God's 
particular will for your life if you humbly seek through Scripture and prayer and counsel to understand the will of God for your life. If you ask God, God, I need to know. I would like to know, God, where do you want me to work? Who do you want me to marry? Where, whatever the particular things of your life are. And sometimes God will give you a few options. And any one of them could be right. I had three options of going to a church. I chose Bible Baptist Church. I hope you think it's the right choice. Um, but you understand what I'm saying. They could all be good. But if we're not seeking sanctification and thankfulness, don't bother going for the particular. Let's work on those. And God will guide you and, and, and lead you into His particular will for your life. In order for the child of God to clearly discern and obey the will of God, general and particular, one must have their mind clear. Your mind must be clear. And so it's logical that when Paul, speaking about the will of God and understanding the will of the Lord, his next admonition is to not get drunk on wine. Right? Look at what he says in 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying you can't drink. That's not being said. Getting drunk is the issue. Anything that would inhibit your mind. And why is he saying it to the people in Ephesus? Well, the worship of Dionysus, the Greek god of wine, was prevalent in Ephesus. And drinking to excess was part of the worship of Dionysus. And the result would be uncontrolled behavior. To be drunk is to lose control of one's ability to reason. Debauchery... Asotia is behavior which shows lack of concern or thought for the consequences of an action. Senseless deeds, reckless deeds, recklessness. Or another definition of debauchery is what one does when the mind is absent. You ever, how many of you have said to somebody, what were you Thinking. And the answer is clearly, I wasn't thinking. That's exactly right. You were not thinking. The fact is, alcohol affects the mind. Let me read you some things from the, uh, let me get it, the uh, National Institute of Alcohol and Alcohol Abuse, right? It's a, from the National Institute of Health. This is a government organization. This is what they tell us scientifically, which happens. It says, alcohol interferes with the brain's communication pathways and can affect the way the brain looks and works. Alcohol makes it harder for the brain, for the brain areas controlling balance, memory, speech, and judgment to do their jobs, resulting in higher likelihoods of injuries and other negative outcomes. 
We all probably, some of you, have grown up in a house where alcohol was prevalent. And you've suffered the effects of alcohol. The rage and all the things that can come with it. We've probably seen many people who have hurt themselves from being drunk. Maybe had a loved one who was lost because somebody was drunk and hit him with their car. I'm sure if we were to ask Dr. Franz here today how many have come in because of alcohol into the ER and they have to go get operated on, we know the effects that it can have. It's not wrong to drink. Scripture says when we get drunk or begin to get a little, uh, you know, buzzed, right? Well, I'm just buzzed. No, you're drunk. Your mind is impaired. And therefore, you push out the Holy Spirit. He has no room to work. Can he work? Of course he can. He's God. But it's a, this is something God lets us do. Do not let your mind be breached by anything other than the Holy Spirit. But what about marijuana? That's legal today. But it also affects our minds. This, again, this comes from the uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Who knew that there were so many branches of government? No wonder we got a budget that's just ridiculous. This is what they say about marijuana, how it affects brain health. Marijuana can cause permanent IQ loss of as much as eight points when people start using it at a young age. These IQ points do not come back even after quitting marijuana. In other words, anything that's going to cause your mind to be inebriated, if you want to be dumb and get dumber, smoke marijuana from a young age. How does it affect your mental health? Studies link marijuana use to depression, anxiety, suicide planning, and psychotic episodes. It is not known, however, if marijuana use is the cause of these conditions. Well, I can tell you they're probably connected to it. I can tell you this much. Ask any of the ladies from the hoving home who come here and say, well, marijuana's legal. What do you think about that? They'll tell you, stay away from it. It's a gateway drug. You're going to end up like me. You don't want to end up like that. How does it affect us athletically? So as research shows that marijuana affects timing, movement, and coordination, which can harm athletic performance. What about driving? This is scary because it's legal in New Jersey. And only, it's only in America in which we can live in a country which tells you this is dangerous and get promoted at the other hand. That's a whole other discussion. It says people who drive under the influence of marijuana can experience dangerous effects Slower reaction, lane weaving, people have been smoking marijuana for a long time if that's one of them, decreased coordination, and difficulty reacting to signals and sounds on the road. What about the effects of marijuana on a baby during pregnancy? Marijuana use during pregnancy may cause fetal growth restriction, premature birth, stillbirth, and problems with brain development, resulting in hyperactivity and poor cognitive function. TCH and other chemicals from marijuana 
can also be passed from a mother to her baby through breast milk, further impacting the child's healthy development. What about on your daily life? Now, I know it's legal, and some people may be taking it for medical reasons. I don't know what to tell you there. Maybe it's a gray area. I don't know. But in daily life, if you just take it recreate, rec yeah, that word. I would tell you, God would tell you, don't. You impede the ability to hear the Holy Spirit guide your life. Doesn't matter if it's legal. God's not, God doesn't walk like, well, it's legal, so therefore it's okay. There's a lot of things that are legal. In some states, prostitution is legal. Doesn't say God says, okay, it's legal here, so you can do it. Just in daily life. It says, using marijuana can affect performance and how well people do in life. Research shows that people who use marijuana are more likely to have relationship problems, worse educational outcomes, lower career achievement, and reduced life satisfaction. That's not pastor saying it. That's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. You can check them out at the website there at the, uh, at the end of this. Whenever we put our minds in a place where they cannot function, hear clearly from God and His Word. We inhibit the Holy Spirit. He can't guide us into all truth. He won't bless us because we're choosing something that we think is better than God. So what do we do? In contrast to having our minds altered or filled with wine, we as God's children are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled is playru. It means to fill, supply abundantly with something. And what Paul is talking about here, we need to be clear, is not an experience of having the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and signs and wonders, because that was for the apostolic age. It does not mean a constant daily feeling like I got to be filled with. The, I understand that's the language. At the moment of your salvation, if you truly believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you cannot be filled anymore with the Spirit. What Paul is talking about here is maintaining a lifestyle that allows the Holy Spirit to have charge of your thoughts, attitudes, and actions. That's, that's seen in the verbs in our text for today. Do not get drunk and be, and be filled, right? Do not get drunk is one Greek word, and be filled is another Greek word. And here's the thing about those verbs. Both are in the present passive imperative. Well, what does that mean? And, and uh, listen, I'm no English scholar. You guys know that. But if you do, do a little bit of study, you'll find out. Present in the Greek means it's something that I'm doing. 
It's an action that I do. Passive is something that is done to you. Right? And they're imperatives. Not that God's commanding us to get drunk. But if you understand what I'm saying, it's an action I do, and as a result, something happens to me. If I drink and get drunk... I do the drinking, but the loss of inhibition inhibition happens to me. You get what I'm saying? It is the effect of alcohol. It's the passive effect of alcohol on you, on me. But if we strive to walk, if we strive to imitate God, to walk in the light and to understand the will of the Lord... You will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that we are able to respond to the Lord positively. In other words, obedience. And it also helps in how we respond to others. Look what it says. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is the botany. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what does he say? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not being filled with something else that occupies my mind in a way that takes me from the Lord Jesus Christ results in obedience and worship. Obedience and worship. It says here, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, my response is to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Does that mean I really should be singing to you? You don't want me singing to you. You'll cover your ears and your eyes will roll back and you'll melt. What he's saying is have an attitude of worship. Singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. Do you make a practice of singing to God in your heart? I would encourage you to try it. To do it, first of all, because God commands us to. But how often can I have a song that has no value? Yeah, it's catchy tunes, sounds good. It has no value. I can repeat that in my mind over and over and over again. But how often do we think, or how often do we sing to ourselves, only a holy God, and contemplate what that song means? Even if you can't remember the song, but just driving your car and just going in your mind, only a holy God, only a holy God. Only a holy God. That'll that'll do something for you. Because you're speaking the truth of Scripture. You're singing the truth of Scripture. Only a holy God cares enough about you to come to this earth, live a perfect life, die on your behalf, and rise from the dead, and sit enthroned in heaven, and builds a place for you so that He comes back and brings you to Himself. Only a holy God can do that. Only a holy God has done that. 
It guides our response to God. It opens us to hearing from God. It opens us to be able to obey God. The Holy Spirit will guide and direct us. When we have an attitude of sanctification, of thanksgiving, because thanksgiving and worship just the same thing. Thanksgiving equals worship. Worship equals thanksgiving. Same thing. When we have that attitude, we let that be in our mind and our hearts. It guides our response to the Holy Spirit, and it guides our response to each other. That's what he means in 521. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hold on. Submitting. The word submitting is hypotasso. It means obey or to be obedient. It doesn't mean I have to obey. You tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. That's not what it means here. I like what John MacArthur says in his commentary. I think he nails it correctly. It says, The filling and control of the Holy Spirit will lead us to a spirit of humility, to the spirit that gives us the desire to seek the welfare of others before our own and, be, and to be mutually submissive. In other words, I'm going to care about others as God commands me to do. We come here, I'm going to be concerned with obeying God, first and foremost, and I'm going to be concerned with the welfare of others. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to understand what the will of the Lord is. Loved ones, let us not be foolish, but let us be wise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Lord, help us to have clear minds. Help us, Lord God, to desire to have your thoughts in our hearts and our minds. Help us, Lord God, to sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks. Lord, may we rid ourselves of anything that will impede us from hearing your voice, that still small voice that tells us, this is the way, walk in it. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand, let's close in a song. If you'll open your hymnals to number 545, 545, moment by moment. Dying with Jesus by death reckoned mine, living with Jesus a new life divine. Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine, moment by moment, O Lord, I am Moment by moment I'm kept in His love Moment by moment I've life from above Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine Moment by moment, O Lord, I am Thine a trial that he is not there never a burden that he doth not bear 
sorrow that he doth not share moment by moment i'm under his care moment by moment i'm kept in his love moment by moment i've life from above looking to jesus till glory doth shine moment by moment oh lord i am thine never a weakness that he doth not feel never a sickness that he cannot heal moment by moment in war in wheel jesus my savior abides with me still moment by moment i'm kept in his love moment by moment i've life from above looking to jesus till glory doth shine moment by moment oh lord i am thine amen god bless you all